If you like tripping out, jailbreaks, or candlelit Chinese dinners, then this episode of Riverdale is for you. everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Dawn. And this is I Hate It, Let's Watch It, where we watch shows we love and then rip them apart. Jesus Christ, Dawn. You're not happy. Not even that I'm not happy. I'm just so overwhelmed by that, everything. I feel like that's an understatement because this week they just, it was blow after blow. Do you know what it felt like? You know, they people say, you know, like, oh, adulthood is like, you know, you cross the road you're trying not to get hit by cars you make it to the other side and then a plane crashes into you that's what this episode felt like to me yep there was way too much in such a short amount of time and i don't even know and we had new plots introduced yeah we had enough going on prior to this and then in this episode they threw a whole bunch of new shit at us and it was like what is happening? And it was a lot of, you know, I think we also backtracked a lot. And I feel, where are we going from here? Well, we're going to have to wait a long time to find out. But Three months. Biggest hiatus I've ever heard of. Yeah, it's not really a hiatus. It's like a sabbatical. (laughs) Let's hope they... Let's hope they do something. Like... Use your your time wisely, please. I have no hope left with this show. I I was so hopeful going into this season, and now that we're at the mid-season finale, I feel silly for ever thinking that it was going to go in a better direction. I'm sorry. My bad. Don't be sorry. (laughs) It's not my fault. Don't be sorry. (laughs) I have survivor's guilt. The the venting is normal, because after this, even watching it twice, I don't know what I got from it. It's (laughs) It's <laughs> We're going to try and break it down, though. We're going to do it. And to get us started, here's our 60-second summary. To kick off this clusterfuck, Archie gets a surprise visit from his army boss, General Taylor, and begins to suspect that the general is trying to cover up a dirty mission. But there's no time for that now, because Hiram orchestrates an explosion at his prison, allowing dozens of convicts to escape and wreak havoc on an already struggling Riverdale. Penelope Blossom is among the escapees, and she gets to Thornhill just in time to warn Cheryl and Anna Rose of a huge fire in the Maple Groves. A fire that Reggie started because Cheryl once again refused to sell the property to Hiram, who wants to mine the land for palladium, obviously. Veronica and Chad's divorce hits a snag when Chad reveals he got into some bad investments and used Veronica's new jewelry store to front some shady loans. Jughead trips on maple mushrooms in an attempt to push through writer's block and has some disturbing hallucinations while handcuffed to a desk in the sex bunker. When Tabitha comes to get him in the morning, he's gone and apparently bleeding. Fugitives Charles and Chick show up at the Cooper house demanding to be married, and Alice agrees to perform the ceremony. In the middle of the weirdest wedding in television history, Glenn comes in, and Betty reveals he's been writing a dissertation about the Cooper family's serial killers. Charles tries to make nine-year-old Juniper stab Glenn just for funsies, but Betty does it for her, which creates enough chaos to disarm and disable Charles and Chick. Confused yet? So are we. I'm going to go in the order of my notes because I actually think I did them this time in priority level in terms of like what I cared about the least going to what I cared about the most. Okay. So with that said, I'm going to start with Archie. (laughs) And I'm sure whatever you talk about is going to be something I have to say. You know, like I, yeah. Well, so this is what I was saying sort of in the intro there where we're adding another plot line to an already convoluted season of plots Uh with with general taylor coming back and archie getting the sketchy vibe from him that he's trying to cover up a i don't know 
a dirty mission, as that reporter (laughs) referred to it as. Again, any new person that enters Riverdale, you can't trust him. You can't. You can't. I mean, I never really liked this guy, but... Right, he looks creepy as all hell anyway, so right off the bat. And it's just... Is this related to anything? Is this just another random thing that comes up? Why do we need to have a plotline of military corruption? I feel like it would have been more than enough to have Jackson there. Remember, we were going to cover veteran issues and his PTSD, and yet Jackson just seems to be adjusting just fine to Riverdale life, and we've never addressed the fact that he had these issues with Hiram or any of his other benefits that he was supposed to get as a veteran like we we haven't even touched that no it's been like a quick intro and then we keep getting thrown things here and there and then other things are just kind of forgotten about really quickly and then they're brought up again and then you're like oh oh, right oh right you can't get invested in any one plot line because there's so many things coming at you simultaneously and then they're dropped and you know even the stuff with kevin i mean we'll get into that a little bit I don't know probably not we won't probably won't get into that this episode because there was nothing about it It, Mm -hmm. there was no fangs we briefly hear that Tony is on bed rest and that's why she's not around which is convenient Mm -hmm. but other than that like there's no fallout from that we're just everyone's just okay with the fact that Kevin's backing out of being married and a father (laughs) we're just cool with that yeah it it I can't with this episode. I really, I can't because we're just being hit with stuff that we didn't, not that we were supposed to expect, but like, oh, 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 this is happening now? Like that, that's pretty much how I went through the whole episode. Yeah, the, none of it is relate. I feel like good shows can do character development in a way that's related to the central plots. And there doesn't necessarily have to be one. There could be more than one. It could be more complicated. But there's a thread holding everything together. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Riverdale, it, it feels like we're just being bombarded from every angle. It's like they, they somebody thinks of an idea in the writer's room and they're like, yes. And then somebody else thinks of an idea and they're like, yes. And they just keep going with everything that there's comes no up. There's no continuity we'll, we'll at all. We'll fit it in. We'll squeeze it in somewhere. We'll just incorporate it in a place where, you know, it just fits. And none of it, none of it fits. No. And we're paying attention. They think we're not paying attention. We're paying attention. Oh, we sure are. And I, I have things to say about this later, but we have to, we have to wrap up Archie. And I'm literally trying to wrap up Archie quickly because I have so little to say about his storyline. So we see Uncle Frank again Mm -hmm. and whatever. It's just, okay, hi. And you're there. One thing that I did love, though, was when the school was being attacked later on. And (laughs) Uncle Frank showed up and he was like, it's a good thing you mentioned parent-teacher night. And it was like this really obvious exposition happening. It was just like, oh, God. Um, I'm still confused as to why parent-teacher night is such a horrible thing. I know, Hiram acted like it was the worst thing that could have happened to his plot to overthrow Riverdale. Like it was some conspiracy. It was going to take the entire world down. 
These things happen at schools. I did think it was weird, time. though, that it was just Archie and Kevin who had to participate. I mean, are the other people even teaching anymore? Like, we don't see anybody teaching They have classes. so many side Veronica's things. back in New York. What's happening to her economics class? We don't... Right. I mean, you know... We don't know. Drugs getting abducted. And yeah. And Betty is killing people, so... Killing I mean, people? Well, severely injuring. She stabbed him. I mean... There's blood. That, that, I would consider He's that. fine. He's fine. He's totally fine. Tis a flesh wound. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, I mean, the only reason Uncle Frank is there, I feel, is just to, like, tell Archie that Hiram was behind this, or at least imply that Hiram was behind this, because he said that the inmates were being paid to go and, like, trash Riverdale and the high school and such. If he didn't know that to begin with, given it's Hiram's jail... Uh, that was honestly on. one of my favorite lines of the whole show was when Archie says only Hiram Lodge would be crazy enough to do that <laughs> as though like nobody put that together prior to this like all right again we're not stupid sure. but whatever <laughs> sure so I'm I'm like I'm already ready to move on from Archie because I, that's it for yeah, me. Yeah, there was no depth with any of that. The only uh, other notable thing where Archie was involved was at the very end when Uncle Frank's like, oh, Mary's gonna get me on parole and out of jail permanently, and they're eating Tostitos, which is and Yet another product, product placement. placement. <laughs> and they were all in plaid, which seemed weirdly planned out, but... I have to say, I didn't notice the plaid. The first thing I noticed was the Tostitos. <gasps> oh, I noticed the plaid and then the Tostitos. And I was like, and there's my product placement. I'm excited. Because yeah. I, that's like that little thing to find in each episode Did now. Did you ever watch Psych? No. Okay. Great show, first of all. But one of their gimmicks throughout the whole series was that there was a pineapple somewhere in the episode to find. So whenever you were watching an episode of Psych, you'd be constantly looking for the pineapple. Doesn't that kind of take away from the plot of the episode, though? um, I I found that I would often pay more attention to the plot than finding the pineapple. Like, we'd get to the end of the episode, and I'd be like, fuck, I didn't look for the pineapple. (laughs) See? And I'd be the opposite. I'd be like, that's my main mission, and then I'll go back and figure everything else out. Sometimes it was obvious, but other times when it was less obvious, I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even occur to me until the end of the episode that I didn't find it. But something like that. That's what I feel like product placement has become in Riverdale. Mm. So the next thing that I have to talk about, um, since we're just going to move through these quickly because I hate them, the Blossoms. Ugh. Yeah. What? Like, mm, I can't even pinpoint what I feel exactly because (laughs) we're dealing with, yet again, some type of non-human scenario where nana rose is like it's because of your bad fucking luck and you're a horrible the curse right the curse right so it's you know pray and it's like what What yeah i have a lot of what are we what cosmos what are we dealing with that's that's why there's no syrup i i I don't yeah so this made me think it made me wonder if nana rose was responsible for breaking Cheryl in this time jump span because when she said that to Cheryl like you can't be happy because you know the curse and Cheryl seemed a little bit upset by that but I don't I don't I don't know if that's 
I, I always thought that Nana Rose was kind of on Cheryl's side. Or at least That's was, what was I thought. not as depraved as they the rest. They had some type of a connection yeah, that so, she didn't have or couldn't have with her mother or her right. father. And can't find in anybody else. So I yes. thought... We come back from the time jump. They're li- they're together, right? They're like a power team. Exactly. And they're, they're running the business together and they're doing their shit. But I've, Nana Rose is is apparently her telling Cheryl way. that she can't be happy. Otherwise, you know, You're shit happens <laughs> to the Maple Groves. Like you have to literally paint forgeries in order for us to be successful. Right. But I have another problem with the Blossom Curse because my issue is that Cheryl seems to believe and not believe in the Blossom Curse as it suits her. Because yes. she 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 brings it up when it's convenient. Yeah, because when she broke up with Tony and everything, she's like, I have to cleanse my karma. She didn't say that, but that's basically what she said. Right. Uh, she had to, like, fix her family karma so that she and Tony could be together. And that was the whole project for her seven years and then didn't didn't happen but whenever nana rose brings up the curse in this episode she's almost always like there's no such thing as a curse or there is no curse and whatever like stop blaming me like it's just it's it's odd you're right it's like what do you do do you believe in the curse do you not believe in the curse i don't understand and i don't believe in the curse personally because i'm just not i think she might in her own I think it could be self-sabotage. It could be. Or like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe that's where you're going with me? A little. I think maybe it's her way to, again, she's secluded. She's by her, granted, it's by her own doing. But clearly she's secluding herself because of the curse. Mm -hmm. Because deep down she knows it exists. Or believes that it does. Believes it exists, right. So she's excluding herself from being happy and living her life and all that and I think when it comes to Nana Rose and her interaction with Nana Rose it's more of like why are we thinking this way like let's you know Mm. like it shouldn't be this way like so she's trying to she's on a thin line right now where it's to certain people it exists because that's where she's going to get her sympathy or and then when it comes to Nana Rose she's kind of like Listen, woman, we need to, like, be realistic here. And it's it's not working because it's we're not... It's confusing. It's very confusing because every episode it's something different. Or the minute she interacts... Like, she's with Minerva now. Ugh. Don't get me started. Granted, their coats are gorge. I yes. loved them. Yeah, they were. Um, the style never ceases to amaze me. But, again, you're giving her the two seconds of happiness, which in the past was one of those things that I even said... I think I said in prior episodes, where I was starting to feel good about her. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe she was there's making a progress. conscience here. There's yeah. something. And when I see her happy, I feel like she is a genuinely decent person. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it has to recoil because of this fucking curse and just the family business. And it's... It's annoying because I don't know if she actually thinks that or not. Right. What is, what is her true self? We're not getting it. She doesn't believe in it. She does believe in it. It just, it seems to suit whatever mood she's in at the time, whether or not she subscribes to the fact that she's doomed to be unhappy. And I guess that's a similar way of people deciding whether or not their fate is predetermined. You know, I think some people find comfort in the fact of knowing that what decisions they make don't actually impact their future and you know their future has been predetermined already so maybe 
maybe Cheryl finds comfort in thinking like, well, I'm miserable because I'm supposed to be miserable and not because of any failings or, you know, misdeeds on my part. It's a good point. But That's a good point. I, honestly, too deep for Riverdale writers because I honestly don't Riverdale. think... I we don't... just had a whole conversation privately about our futures <laughs> and our lives and... Listen, they're I don't not, think they're anybody, not deep enough. Yeah. I don't no. think anybody in Riverdale has has thought so deeply into Cheryl's Absolutely psyche. Absolutely not. And you would think that what you radiate, you receive. Mm-hmm. So you would think her being happy and in a good place right. would bring good luck or good fortune or whatever. Right. And they are saying it's the complete opposite, which I think is not really the best way to go about things, but... Yeah, and you know, shitty things happen to good people, but it's it's enough with Cheryl. Mm-hmm. We need we need to have some sort of good thing happen to her in order to stay on her side in all of this. Right. I, I what I don't understand is why Minerva makes her so happy. Minerva is a sketchy bitch, and I still think that the fact that their relationship started because Minerva was basically blackmailing to turn her in for the art fraud doesn't get them started off on the right foot. No, it doesn't. But I think it's that feeling of I'm getting attention from somebody. I guess. I yeah. I sure. I just, like, I oh, feel I, like ha- I have this talent. It's noticed, granted, not in the best light, but she's just, oh, she's seeing me for me now. Like, it's not just, you know, so I think she's too easy, as is every character of the show, too easy to jump into new things. Sure. But. I guess I feel like the show wants us to be on board with it, and I'm not. You know, like, Cheryl can make poor decisions about who she has relationships with, and that can just be part of her character. But I feel like the show wants us to be supportive of this relationship and is portraying it in a healthy light when I don't think it is. That's that's my beef with it. No, that's fair. That's all. We need to talk about the plot-related blossom stuff which is (laughs) which is the fact that their maple groves sit upon a vein of palladium what you know what i'm okay with this plot line (laughs) really because i heard it and i'm like okay where are we coming where is this why why yeah okay i didn't see it coming however in terms of a villainous scheme Acquiring land to mine some kind of rare element Mm. is not that weird. (laughs) It's not. But again, it did come out of left field. And the fact that we are, because of where we're at in the show, now it's a thing. Like, clearly that shit's been there for a long time. Well, I think this is what I think... Hiram was referring to when they were talking about the smokescreen and how mm-hmm. possibly Sodale was a smokescreen for this mining project. Maybe. Maybe there's more to it than that. But, like, that is sort of, I hate to say reasonable, but that's sort of a reasonable explanation for this. Like, yes, he doesn't own this land. Maybe there's this huge mother load of palladium underneath Riverdale and he just wants it because he's a filthy, greedy bastard. And that tracks with Hiram and his personality and his dealings. Any of his scenes now. And now Reggie's back because clearly his conscience just flipped again. Yeah, he drew the line at football. At football, yeah. But, But he's coming back for everything else. 
Like it, and it, it just, it's so mob bossy to me. The whole scenario, the scenes where he's like, hey boss, what can I do to get back in your good graces? Like, shut up. Like, it, it's so fucking stupid. Like, obviously he's going to take you back. You're all he has. But at the same time, do we have to light everything on fire? I feel like... Yes, our seems to be the weapon of choice here. <laughs> like, do you not trust Reggie with anything else? Like, he just knows how to light a match and throw it somewhere. I, I just... It's very funny to me that that's just their go-to well to be fair Hiram didn't say set the groves on fire that was just where so do we Reggie think that went. that's primarily Reggie's thing like, yeah I think maybe he doesn't know what fire. else to do just set it on fire little fires everywhere except <laughs> this is the big one yeah but you know even like the school trash can fire Archie's house mm-hmm. and now the, the bus stops don't forget about oh, the, the bus, bus stops. stops damn where will the people sit <laughs> <laughs> such a concern Arson is just playing a big role in this show. I agree. I, I, I made a note of that too, that it seems like fire seems to solve everybody's problems around here. But uh, that's could... the fire department. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> They're at a parent teacher conference. There, there's a bunch of 16 year olds waiting to, to put out <laughs> fires. <laughs> this is their moment. Where are they? We didn't talk about the fact that Penelope is back. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know Harry Potter, right? You didn't see not. the movies? None. Nope. Okay. Well, for all of our listeners who are Harry Potter fans, I hope you felt the same way that I did, where when the prison break happened, it was kind of like in the book slash movie where there's a big prison break and all these bad wizards get out to go flock to Voldemort. And obviously Hiram would be Voldemort in this scenario. But there's this one awful witch called Bellatrix Lestrange, who is played by Helena Bonham Carter. And she like crawls out of the rubble and is like cackling like, ah, I'm free. That reminded me of Penelope coming out of the bricks there at Hiram's prison. Given your description, yes. She had that devilish like, oh my God, I'm free. Same energy. Same energy. Definitely. But she comes back and she all she does is warn them about the fire and then they pray and and summon the winds that again thornhill summoning the winds yeah that's oh we can change the direction of the wind where where did you come from what yeah i don't know and then what we saw in the preview for like the next part which i didn't see the whole thing oh you didn't find it somewhere else to watch I didn't even think of it. Okay. It got cut off, and then I forgot about it. I mean, there, you you said to me it wasn't a lot, so it, I was like, All it right, wasn't. Fine. It wasn't very informative, but there was that one moment of Penelope leading like a gospel choir or something in some kind of regalia. Good God, it's, what? It's strange. So I don't know if she maybe had like a second awakening in prison. She found or, God. Yeah. Stop. Right. So a born again situation. No. I have no idea. But apparently they prayed and they summoned wind and it worked. So that's all I know. That's all the information I have. It's going to be the Joel Austin of fucking... Oh, no. I thought we already did that with Edgar Evernever. Wasn't he like the preacher, sort of? Sort of, but he wasn't as religious. So wow. if we're going with Gospels, I'm pretty sure that's more religious than... I don't want to. Edgar in his ugly suit, belt, attire. I'm ready for what you're going to hit me with next. Oh, okay, good. Because I was going to say I'm ready to move on um, to Veronica and Chad. I had comments about this. I have so many comments. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Because I, I... You can start. I have, I, a have lo- to... I have a logistical beef that I need to get off my chest Ooh. very quickly. 
Go ahead. Um, so we finally get backstory, but I'm livid because the timeline doesn't square. Did you notice this? This no. is just shitty writing, plain and simple. How fucking hard is it to map out the relationship from beginning to end and put all the... Okay. So when Veronica's telling Archie about the the accident... Good God, that accident. Yeah. When she's telling him about the accident, she says it happened, and I'm quoting, a few years ago. But in the first episode after the time jump, you'll recall Chad and Veronica are celebrating their first wedding anniversary. And when so that Veron- means it only happened like a year ago. No, but when Veronica's oh, telling the story, that. she says that it happened a few years ago and that she was wishing Chad was dead so she could be free of her marriage. It's only been a year. It's only been a year. That's what I'm saying. How? I, listen, listen. I, <laughs> this really pissed me off because how hard is it to be like, let's just map this out from when they met to when they got engaged to when they got married to when the accident happened. None of it lines up because as far as we know, they've been only married for a year, but per Veronica's story, a few years ago, which to me is more than one year, Yeah, they had this fight. Veronica wished she was dead so that she could get out of her marriage and the accident happened. This is sloppy. It's very sloppy. And if we know anything from Riverdale at this point, they don't know what a timeline is. It pisses me off because this could have been so easy to fix. They could have had them celebrating their third or fourth wedding anniversary and then in that would have first made episode. Sense, yeah. And then it would, or she could have said this happened a few months ago, although they were injured. So they probably would have needed more than a year to fully recover right. from it. But they could have done something. Mm-hmm. And it just really pisses me off because it almost feels like when they're trying to backfill and give these stories about what happened before, they're doing it as an afterthought. And that nobody thought about this from A to B to C to D. They were like, we're going to go from A to D. I guess we'll go back and talk about what happened in the middle. But it's going to be like G and H and like stuff that (laughs) doesn't make any sense. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's my beef. Please, please say something. No, I mean, the whole thing is she decides to go back to New York and we get a bit of a revelation with them chad fucked up yeah and i really i feel like it's common is that weird common for men to fuck up or well yeah well yes yes i so like <laughs> i don't disagree whole, like no like the <laughs> what's whole, your point <laughs> no like the whole revelation of like him admitting to her oh i got into this he made some bad investments i believe yeah i said. mean i don't think it's far-fetched for their lifestyle sure people make bad investments all the time and she's been lying to him too so yeah oh yeah they're both equally assholes in this situation so i just don't have any pity for anyone involved no i don't give a shit about the whole thing and i'm just again i think i'm just very bitter about fucking veronica and archie being back together sort of i have a legitimate question about that so why did Veronica imply that Chad was trying to blackmail her with those photos of her kissing Archie. What did she think he was going to do with them that would damage her? Right, because it's him finding them. So if anything, what the fuck does it matter? Right. It it's not him... like somebody was threatening her, I'm going to show this to your husband. Right, because he is her husband. Right. And Archie's not attached, so it's not like 
his life would be destroyed no. by that knowledge. And she was like, you essentially blackmailed me into coming to New York with those photos. And I was like, what are you talking about? What Like, what threat was implied there? What there were you planning none. to do with this? There was none. And he tried to kind of woo her with, like, you know. Chinese food and candlelight. Chinese food and candlelight. I, honestly, it would work on me. Their, their wedding song. Their, you know, like, all that shit. Just to say, you know. You know it was weird? So do you think that Chad crashed the helicopter on purpose? That's what we're led to believe. Only because Veronica says it. But right. before this point, that didn't even occur to it me. It didn't occur to me. So something else had to have happened for her to question that. I didn't... I mean, that's, that's a pretty decent accusation. Is it? I just... I don't think we've seen Not him... Not decent, but it's a pretty, like... Well, it's a serious yeah. accusation. I don't think we've seen him be so possessive of her for me to believe that. He I, I tried mean, to kill her. Although, I have to say, in my notes when I was watching this, that whole scene of them having dinner was so creepy to me. And I wrote in my notes, I was like, is he going to kill her? This feels very American Psycho. Like, it was just kind of a weird... He gives an American Psycho vibe anyway. <laughs> I didn't I didn't love that whole situation. But I, what I don't understand... So, when Veronica's telling Archie about the accident, she says that she stayed with Chad after that because she felt guilty that she had wished him dead and then they almost died. I don't see that because yeah no it's she stays with him but she treats him like shit she lies to him constantly she is so unhappy and i think she makes that clear to him who's winning out of this scenario nobody's winning and they're married but i feel like they both live such separate lives that whatever he has done we still don't really know why they got married right all we know is that their relationship sucked. So why did they There's even... There's nothing redeeming. And exactly. If, and if we're, if we're going to give the writers the benefit of the doubt and the accident occurred before they were actually married a few years ago, then, like, Veronica could have left. Like, it's a lot easier to leave a relationship than it is to leave a marriage. So she, she could have left. So. She could have left. But I, I feel like, again, they live such separate lives being married that for her to be so annoyed with him all the time. Like, yeah, well, you pretty much have free reign. I mean, look at all the shit you're doing. You clearly don't need him for his money. Right. So the shit he did, it fucking sucks. But like... You'll recover. You'll recover. <laughs> you'll be fine. You easily want to walk away. So regardless of this mishap on his part you're fine he's being really vague about it it's implied that unless he's doing it to keep her around well that's that's the impression that i'm getting i think he's trying to blackmail her by saying that if she leaves him then he will testify against her and say that she knew that he was taking out these shady loans against her jewelry business He's being really vague about it. I think mm-hmm. it's almost like this plot line was written by somebody who has no idea how Wall Street works and how shady dealings work, or they didn't trust their audience to understand if they tried to go into more detail about... They don't trust us about anything. That's true. Yeah, they just assume we don't remember from one episode to another. But it, I, there just wasn't enough information about exactly what he had done to know whether or not this actually warranted Veronica's concern. And but, to stick around. But she doesn't. Lie, yeah. But she doesn't seem that concerned because when she's talking to Archie, she's like, I am staying in New York and I'll be back in a few days. This does not seem like it could be wrapped up in a few days. 
No. So I don't know what she thinks is happening here, but a few more days in New York is probably not going to fix this. And then Archie's like, have fun, as though he doesn't... Again, she's married. Yeah. So don't... Archie was being be a salty bitch about like that. it. Yeah, don't... <laughs> it was like, if you couldn't hear in her voice on that phone call that she was in distress... You're a fucking idiot, but Archie is a fucking idiot, so. Yeah, I mean, he's dealing with fires and. That's actually par for the course. But he's saying it like she's on, she's away on some kind of vacation. And he's like, yeah, well, well, have fun without me. And it's like, okay, yeah, she's not having fun. She's being blackmailed by her husband, but whatever. Enough about them. Enough about them. Let's move on to Jughead's trip. Oh. This episode came in really hot with Jughead and Tabitha finally kissing. Like, we've been building their sexual tension. Great great song, too. I mean... It's one of Jughead's favorites. Maybe you and Jughead should, you know. As long as he shaves that fucking mustache. It's getting... really really, coming in. It's getting bad. It's significant now. I feel like it was more offensive when it was growing in. But now it's in. I don't like it, but it's... I was gonna say. I don't like it. It's just... It's not as offensive to me as the... The peach fuzz situation. Ugh, it's still disgusting. Okay. Um, it's predominant. I don't like it. But anyway. We digress. We digress. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, no, we got the kiss and it was cut off very quickly. Yeah, right. And then when Tabitha brings it up later, Jughead is like, Meh, I'm all messed up from my high school girlfriend. It's been seven oh, years. Oh my god, Don. This reminds me of that that quote that floats around the internet that's like men get their hearts broken once when they're 16 and literally never recover and that's all i could think of i've never seen that quote and that's disturbing isn't it so true like i mean it is but it's horrible i don't like it that's women stupid women go through so much and keep trying and trying and trying and getting better and improving and men are just like some girl cheated on me in high school and, we have to and I can it. never love again or commit to you or text you on an app that's not Snapchat. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> you have very specific <laughs> Um, But you're not wrong. Um, he might as well have said, like, all of my exes are crazy, LOL. <laughs> well, we get introduced to another one very quickly. Well, not introduced. Fuck- We've seen her before. Right, but it's like, oh, she randomly just decides to show up to Riverdale and give him yes, maple this maple This ties into my tinfoil theory, but we'll get there. Oh! Well, so we've, we've been told by Jughead and by Jughead's literary agent, Sam. Shout out to Sam. Your favorite My favorite ever. character, still, in this season, um, that his ex-girlfriend, Jess, is toxic, but we do not know why. Mm-hmm. So based on the information that we know about Jess, we first meet her and Jughead's being a self-absorbed dick and he's like, I have writer's blog, and he just neglects her. Right. And then she decides it's time to move out and break up, which seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. And then we also know that she's a writer because at that time she said, I also have writer's block, but like you don't see me being yes. an asshole. So we know that she's a writer, but... Now we know that she runs drugs also. So was she like a bad influence on Jughead and like encouraged him to take drugs or get into that kind of scene? And is that why she's a toxic relationship? We we don't 
we don't quite know. Maybe only because clearly he's saying that these maple shrooms are the only thing that gets him work. Here's my tinfoil. And I, this is not a fully flushed out theory because it doesn't make sense to me fully. But so I find it very suspicious that Jughead has no memory of writing when he has these mushroom Mm -hmm. trips. He says he wakes up and his completed writing assignment is just there and he assumes that he wrote it. I don't know what this means. Like, if you follow it through to a conclusion, if Jess is the one doing the writing or if somebody else is the one doing the writing, how does that benefit them? Because it really doesn't. You know, why would they want somebody else to take credit for their work? I get it. So I'm not... And you're also... It's not a far-fetched theory either. Right. Like, I'm... And and Jess just happens to be the one running these mushrooms Mm -hmm. when he has writer's block again. So this... Like, there are a lot of coincidences happening here. (laughs) I said coincidences, but it didn't come out as coincidences. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that there's something there, and I just haven't quite connected all of the dots, but I am suspicious as fuck about Jess. I'm suspicious about just the fact that exes are constantly brought up with him. Yeah, but I don't know if that's just Jughead being a whiny bitch or not, because he said some... That's fine, but then why have Jess be the... Like, why have Jess show up? Why does Jess need to be there? I get well, what right. the drug... Right, but, like, why do we have to see her again? Do you know what annoyed me? And I didn't catch it the first time I was watching, but the second time I was watching, when Tabitha was objecting to him taking the mushrooms and... Jughead said something like, oh, are you being Betty now? And she was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, the first sign of fun and you shut it down. And I was like, that's fucking rude. And also not how I thought Betty treated him. Right. I mean, you got, they were like hand in hand detective. Yeah, they seem to be on the same wavelength. Unless we're talking about like season one or two when Betty was nervous about him joining a gang which you know fair <laughs> and she decided so. to basically do a strip te- a strip tease on stage but that's yeah i mean she eventually came around to it obviously but i i didn't like that that felt really awkward to me that but, was weird but the thing that confuses me so i mean it's hard to know exactly how much of jughead's trip we should take literally but he hooks up with betty in his hallucinogenic state but Jess is there too. So they're kind of merging into the same person or at least a similar They're a great influence. Yeah, it's an influence to him in some capacity. And I'm not really I sure it's, why. I noticed it's high school Betty. Like, it's not even yeah, like... right. Well, it had to be because he doesn't know post-high school Betty. Right, but at the same time, it's... I don't know. It's very specific. I also want to mention, just as like another like slightly tinfoily idea, we never really got closure on that girl that tried to blackmail nope. Jughead in that first episode with her manuscript and having him submit Right, like is that agent. supposed to come back? Is it going to come back? I mean, she did say, if I don't hear from you by the end of the week, I know who to call, implying she would call his debt collectors. And then the debt collectors do come looking for him in Riverdale. So presumably it was her who sent them. But again, that was very vague. Yeah, but again, I feel like that happened for a different reason. So I just want to like keep that on the back burner Mm -hmm. of of the brain there so that we don't forget it. But 
Um, I think it's because she could be connected to Jess in some way because they're all in New York and that Mm -hmm. was his New York life. Um, Just, you know, to keep that keep that on the radar. I just don't understand why Jughead is so fucked up from Betty. There, he said their breakup was terrible or, you know. Like Again, he, that voicemail. What was the voicemail? What was the voicemail? But even their normal breakup, like, they just didn't talk about their issues and then they drifted apart. If you want an example of a terrible breakup, you can pick any one of mine from high school. Like, with, with the boyfriend that I broke up and got back together with a million times, there was screaming, there was yelling, there was, like, throwing of things. It was things. very nonchalant. It was, oh, you made out with Archie? Okay. They had um, sex afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's how they reacted to it. And then they just kind of got quiet and just didn't talk anymore. Like, right. That's, that's a, how you end That's things? a terrible breakup? Seriously? Like, man, there you should see some. I mean, shit I guess there was unresolved past. issues, obviously. They didn't talk it out. Yeah. Which right. They should have. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a good breakup or a healthy breakup in any way. Right, shape, but it or wasn't form. some like he makes it all seem out, like yeah, it like, like this was his role. trauma. I no. No, no, no. But, you know. <laughs> whatever. So Jughead is gone at the end of the episode. There's blood on the floor and around the handcuff that Tabitha used to keep him to the desk. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're implying that he was removed by somebody else. But because of all the blood around the handcuff, I'm wondering if he removed himself. Right. Not that he, like, chopped his hand off, but, like, if he tried... Imagine. Well, the hand Ew. would be there. Yeah. <laughs> Unless he took it with him. Reattach it later. I this. <laughs> this is my writing hand. Can somebody stitch this up? <laughs> but, you know, if he tried to wriggle out of it... And right, it just... right. Because he was tripping. So, you know, he might have, like, had a panic attack and been like, I need to get out of here, and didn't care that he was shredding his wrist by trying didn't to... didn't feel it either. Yeah, exactly. So... And probably disappeared. Like, we think, like, Alien, he probably just fucking left. Exactly. I mean, they wanted us to think that it was the Mothman because the lights came down the hatch and implied that somebody else was there and mm-hmm. maybe somebody was but it didn't what have was to the name of the, be a the, mothman the what? novel what was the name of the oh transubstantiation so did you look this up i did not i actually i'm familiar with this term because i recently did a transcript about it but the so this is a unique term that applies to a catholic teaching that during the mass the eucharistic elements of the bread and the wine are converted to the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. Did not Jesus know that Christ. was the term. Yeah. I If you've been to church recently, I think, didn't they change the... Might have. The I mantras. You I know what? I haven't, there. but the times I have gone... When they reverted... I get annoyed that they yeah. changed everything yes. on me. Yes. Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure they actually use the term transubstantiated or something but anyway it upsets me regardless yeah mm-hmm. i'm not a religious person but that term did flag for me because i had just done something regarding it but <laughs> so i mean riverdale's not a very religious show so mm-hmm. i don't think it's a literal interpretation but i have to assume this is maybe a metaphor so like possibly alluding to jughead's theory that your figurative trauma gets converted into an alien encounter or something possibly possibly i mean 
there there are a lot of potential interpretations but that's kind of the one that i think would be the most obvious so it's probably not correct but i do think it's probably significant in some way shape or form and whether we know why now is up for debate but I did read somewhere today or yesterday the preview, which I did not get to fully see, <laughs> had Jughead's had his narration mm. as if it was present day for him. So it's he's around. Yeah, I'm assuming he's not dead. <laughs> we can only fake death. I think that's, I think that's so pretty much safe. For him. Yeah, even when they were really trying to convince us he was dead, I was not convinced he was dead. So they're not even really trying that hard this time. So I don't think that he's dead. So I think, yeah, I think we're he'll safe. be fine. But where he is, I guess, is up for grabs. But I think it's more likely that he slipped those handcuffs and is like wandering the woods naked somewhere because that just seems like something he would do. <laughs> do you have anything else on Jughead? No, I think we covered that. Okay, I then this is my final. Oh, it's the core. <laughs> it's time. It's time to address my eyes. The plane, so the hard. plane that crashed into the person who crossed the road. My eyes hurt from rolling. So I titled my section here Cooper Family Values. I there's oh wow. I feel like when I was watching the episode, the first half hour, I was very dutifully like taking notes paying attention. I'm like, okay, they're, they're leaving me little breadcrumbs and I'm picking them all up and I'm trying to put them all together. And then this happened and I was like, what the I, fuck? I did not watch live and you texted me at around the half hour mark and you legit were like... I lost my shit. Yeah. Y- you. I, I used I, the word flummoxed twice. <laughs> you did use flummoxed twice. I have... Hold on. I have to look at it because it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> All caps. Fuck. This is next level bat shittery. <laughs> and then I said, I'm sorry. The episode is called The Pincushion Man. And you go, okay, well, I just saw the scene which the title comes from. And holy fuck balls. I can talk exclusively about the Pincushion Man scene for conservatively eight days. <laughs> you... It was a... Here we go. Eight days. It starts now. Oh, God. Because I'm about to talk about the Pincushion Man scene for eight days. We have to start before the pre-Pincushion Man scene mm-hmm. with um, the twins. They're adorable. They're sociopaths. Oh. They're adorable I mean, sociopaths? I mean, if they don't talk or do anything, but... Given... No, but that's what I find creepy about them. They so... are. They're very still yes. and... Silent. Yes. Yeah. I don't think they've had any lines. I don't ever like to see horror movies that feature small children they especially creep me out do you think they're genuine redheads or was their hair dyed i feel like that would be a lot to do to child actors so they're genuine i would think so that's red it is red i mean archie red archie red is is fake (laughs) i love listen as as a redhead myself i'm very partial to seeing redheads portrayed on television because doesn't happen often but we're getting a lot with this show they're yes they're very they are cute and they're like very attractive they're very like they could be model children yeah so um it's disturbing to me that they're so fucking creepy but they push a kid down the stairs and they just look at each other like and right so do you see what we're living in do you see the family we're a part of? I mean, to, yes. To be fair, Alice is toxic and they sh- and she should not be raising children. She's still visiting Charles in prison and it's just, okay, wait. 
I'm getting There's ahead. So much. Myself. <laughs> okay, wait. Now I'm not even ready to talk about the pincushion man yet because I need to talk about the fact I'm disgusted by the idea that Betty has slept with Glenn. Did that skeeve you out too? Um, because they were in his hotel room together. Oh, and his robe. No, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And it was implied that they were sexually active, and I wanted to vomit. You everywhere. could tell she was so over because she was already fully dressed. Yes, <laughs> and I'm like. That was quick. Like, he's still in the robe and you are <laughs> done up, ready to go. Out of here. The fact that she was so kind of disgusted with the fact that he showed up and told Alice that yeah. it was Polly's blood and all that. Like, she was mad at him. Like, she was yeah, annoyed. Yeah, she was. He wants to take over the case. She's like, no, it's my fucking family. Like, and then you just go bone him in his hotel room? Yeah, it was It was all very slimy. I mean, I, listen, I understand the concept of boning somebody that you're not, like, 100% on board with just to bone. But what turned you on in that moment? That's true. Glenn is not even attractive enough to justify that. So. And then the scenario <laughs> revolving it, like, I, no, I, no. It was all, it was all wrong. And honestly, I'm still, like, a little nauseous thinking about it. No jugheads allowed. <laughs> yeah, well, wouldn't that be nice? I think that Glenn was totally delusional, though, in thinking that just casually mentioning the fact that he's writing a dissertation about Betty and her family (laughs) was going to go over okay. He's just like, oh, well, I guess you're going to find out eventually. And can I just say, I thought he was going to pull out a ring and propose. (laughs) I hope. I don't like him. (laughs) I panicked because I was like, oh, God, please do not propose to her right now. Because they were just talking about how he wanted to meet her family. So I was like, oh, oh, no. No, Please do not do this. This is embarrassing. No, it's just for a paper. Oh, okay. It's a term paper. We're fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he just presented it like, oh, by the way, I'm writing a paper about you. You really don't think that could have been done more sensitively or gradually, maybe. Or when you first meet. Or like, earlier on, be like, by the way, I was thinking like, about Like, I'm really doing intrigued this. by your background. Yeah, I Work mean. Work with me here. Like, I, something. Do we think that that's the only reason why Glenn is sketchy, or does he have more skeletons in his closet? Because we knew he was up to no good from day one, but is this the only thing? Is TBK? I honestly don't think so. Really? Personally, I don't. I feel like it would be too obvious. It would, but also, I feel if he's writing this paper about Betty's family and, you know, birthed psychopaths and murders, he's picking up vibes I don't know. I, I, I don't trust the fucking guy. And I, I don't feel trust like him either. There's some correlation. I'm Maybe actually, he's not the actual TV, but I think there might be a correlation. In I think somewhere. he's sketchier in a different way. I, I just don't know what that way. Because this felt a little disappointing to me as a reveal. Because I think we've been kind of waiting for Glenn to reveal himself as a creep. And I was expecting something more dramatic than I'm writing a dissertation about your family. Yeah. That doesn't skeeve me out enough based on his behavior. So, I don't know. I was I was unsatisfied with that and if there is more to Glenn, I think I would be okay with seeing how that plays out. And he could be the TBK, but I just don't think personally I don't think so. What's who's taking care of her cat? Yes! Thank you. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I was really loud. It's okay. But yes, I because I, I had to go. I had to go back because when I was doing my research about the timeline of Veronica and Chad, I had to go back to that first time jump episode, and then I realized that somebody's supposed to be caring for Toffee, and nobody is. <laughs> 
again, okay. here we go. So, with this but writing. like, but one thing I do love about Betty is that she always seems to react in the way that I would react in a situation. So, for example, when Glenn was like, "Aren't we having fun here?" and she was like, "I'm just gonna slap the shit out of this guy." That's exactly what I was feeling in that moment. She's I was realistic like, in her response. Yes, Queen. Because actually, to be fair. Um, I vomited or I wanted to vomit. So if she had done that and then slapped him, then that would be accurate to how I responded to that situation. But um, slapping him was a good start. Yeah, it helped. I think the writers are decent with Betty. I think she has the most real... I mean, aside from the serial killer gene and Mm -hmm. her history, her reactions to things. Like, I think... Just her overall thought process and stuff. I think she is the most realistic. Yeah. Well, I personally connect to Betty more because I think I do see her reacting in the same way that I would. Like, she's more human than the rest of them. Yeah. Like, I couldn't see myself doing any of the things Veronica does. She's not, you know, getting attacked by bears or running um, a jewelry store that's... I think it's because things happen to Betty Whereas other people seek out these ridiculous scenarios to put themselves in. That's true. Whereas Betty is just reacting to terrible things happening to her all the time. So she I... She does a pretty good job of coping. I'll she say that. does. She should be more fucked up than she is. You know, she's not perfect, but she should be way worse than what she is currently. She's good in a pinch. Yeah. She, she's a quick thinker. She's a quick thinker. She's, yeah. She, I would want to be with her if I was in any sort of apocalypse scenario yeah. or like, a, I don't know, any sort of life-threatening situation. I think she would know what to do. I think given what we're going to be talking about shortly, she's, again, she's good at that quick reflex of, Here's you how this said seems. this, I'm yeah. doing this. Like, mm-hmm. she's very, she's very good. I can't understate how shocked I was or how perplexed I was to see Charles and Chick show up at this birthday party. Even though I knew that there were prisoners escaping from Hiram's prison, I did not for once think that we were going to see these people again. I was beside myself. I didn't know what to make of it. I think I had that reaction like, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Like, these guys, and especially with Chick's hair, what is going it. on Why, why the that? middle part, too? Put it in a ponytail if you're going to fucking do that. Oh, wow, you're such a millennial. <laughs> Sorry. I kind of like the man buns, not going to lie. I the side part going. I was just, I was just baffled. I, I, I didn't know what. And I wasn't sure about the whole, like, Juniper. Trying to get her greeting him in. Oh. <laughs> like, here's my hand. Let's go. Does she even know my... who he is? That's, that's why I was Did confused. Did Alice bring him to the bring her to the prison to be like here's your brother where cousin i mean think cousin cousin like no uncle uncle (laughs) um who the fuck is related to who who knows anymore (laughs) that's true doesn't even matter yeah but um i mean she didn't have childcare at the time so she probably brought them to the prison unless i mean polly was still around them theoretically although how around she was we don't know but right like regardless we're led to believe she wasn't really around yeah that's a good point i didn't even think about that i mean i had so much more i was thinking about at the time i wasn't thinking about juniper leading him into the room i was just like what the fuck is happening so charles looks good in orange though ew i'm sorry ew he's so creepy no (laughs) what's what have you done (laughs) who's the other one with the hair Chick. Chick. <laughs> um, 
he's gross. They're, he's just gross. They're but like, both psychos. Yeah, but like, that aside, he's a good looking guy. Ugh. Charles is a good looking guy. River, mm. Riverdale and storyline aside, he's a good looking dude. Oh, uh, no, not my not type. Not exactly my type. No, he's not my type yeah, either. Not my type. But Orange is a good look. Anyway. Yikes. Ugh. Um, okay, so I'm going to move on from that. But <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm very confused why Alice is still visiting him in prison. I guess because he didn't kill anybody she cared about. But like he, he was helping, he did still kill people. And then weren't he and Chick working together to? That's how they fell in love, right? Because they they both knew about the the shady man that Alice murdered for Chick to like protect him, and then right. dispose of that body. And they had this like blackmail on them that never got used. Now, am I? Please forgive me here. Were they in cahoots ahead of time to where Chick was pretending to be Charles? Was that the whole backstory, or was it a so. later on scenario where it was like, oh, then they ended up meeting and then they? Well, they up. knew each other before Chick pretended to be Charles. They were roommates. And so what? Oh, so then and then Charles had like, a drug problem, and then I think Chick decided I'm going to play it off. That I'm, okay, to okay. Be I thought it was like a you know an in cahoots situation. But. No, but it's I mean it's still very unclear why they're teaming up and what their end game is because Ew. <laughs> just let me just let Sorry. me have this. So it's just unclear what they're trying to do because mm-hmm. well they're married now. <laughs> Again, Weird, I weirdest my fucking eyes hurt. wedding in television history. Like I've never seen a wedding like that on a TV show. No, where these two convicts, escaped convicts, show up at and their the, in the presence of two nine-year-olds and Betty <laughs> like, <laughs> to get married. And, and Alice is so about it. She's so chill and that's what i wrote when they first came i was like nobody is reacting like she was excited she was kind of excited yeah. that he showed up and betty was like um excuse me like are we gonna do something about this analysis like let's just you know go with it you know and like maybe- she purposely got ordained to marry them right but she was gonna do it while they were still in prison i guess but like that's the thing why is she still associating with them in general because they they're they're not well them aside i think charles more Sure. It just so happens that he's in love with Chick and she can't help that. But Charles, yes, he murdered people. But it was in defense of Jughead, in a way. And Betty. And Betty. Technically. But so like, it's like, I yeah, he know. did wrong, but it was to benefit her children. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's not a good enough reason for me, I feel. Um, I also think it's just kind of weird that Charles became so crazy like he's really crazy. Yeah, he really turned. And he, turned. he pretended to be normal for a really long time while we knew him. I was pretty convinced too. So that he was a decent person. Oh, I was never really convinced of that. He no, I mean as fuck it's Riverdale. Beginning. Everybody's sketchy, but he wasn't. He the wasn't total obvious sketch. Yeah, like the way that when Betty was trying to convince him not to have Juniper stab Glenn, and he's like shaking and like hitting himself in the head with the gun like well, who is that we don't know this charles <laughs> right is it because of prison like did you get yeah did worse? it get worse yeah, maybe. but it just it feels like it was a little bit exaggerated and over and i feel like that's the typical 
that's how you think of crazy people and like right like people that are on a whim trying to think of a plan and they're fucking psychotic yeah that's how they act the whole like hitting themselves and just i don't know what the fuck to do right you know that's that's their getting overwhelmed and just kind of resorting to physical harm because people normal people would not do that so Mm -hmm. you're now establishing them as somebody who is beyond the normal right and now again it's been seven years he's been in prison yeah. So God only knows what's going on there. Is it important that Glenn and Charles went to the FBI Academy at the same time, or is that just like a weird coincidence? I don't know. <laughs> Again, it's Riverdale. I want to say it's an obvious thing, but who the fuck knows? They may they plant a seed sometimes, and then we never. Yeah, to be honest, it I, never blooms. Well, <laughs> we have no idea what's happening. We have happening. a whole field of dirt. We have a whole dirt. field of unanswered <laughs> questions. Nothing has bloomed. It's just barren. But to be honest, I almost forgot that Charles was in the FBI in the first place because when they were like, "Oh, you were in the academy together," I was like, "Wait, what academy?" And I was, "Oh, oh, right. you're not just sure. the, the long lost brother." But like, it feels weird to me that Riverdale feels like they can add in that kind of information to to verify those details but then they can't get their timelines right you know like it's weird the things that they they, pay attention to yes the details that they include it's just it, it boggles my mind so anyway glenn gets stabbed betty does it but juniper was supposed to do it because they were they were gonna play the pincushion man game which as we discussed today at work because i (laughs) did a little background research into the pincushion man which comes from a 1935 short film called balloon land where everybody's made of balloons and the villain is the pincushion man he goes around popping people with pins i watched it it's about eight minutes or probably shorter than that because there were ads but it's on youtube if you want to go see it um it's horrifying though it's you know horrifying in the way that like 1935 cartoons were horrifying it's weird, but it's also like I don't. It would have been interesting to tie it in, but it I think they only referenced any... it because it was like an old timey vintage cartoon, right? Because I honestly it had don't nothing it had... to do with what they said. The no. the reasoning behind it was where the youngest person of the family, is yeah, supposed there to was stab. no connection, no connection whatsoever, right? But just thought it was interesting to mention. And if you do want to have nightmares for a few nights in a row, I would recommend watching the the short film because it was horrifying. So Betty stabs Glenn. Which brought me back to Scream because, which was a skeet film. It, everything that goes was, back to skeet for that you. That wasn't even intentional. That just sure. so happened to be a reference. Whatever you say. They, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, it's been fucking years. Scream? If you haven't seen Scream? Right. Jesus, if you haven't seen Scream. You gotta say, listen, you gotta say spoiler alert in front of everything nowadays because people will get offended. Okay, well, we've given them an ample opportunity to skip ahead. So, Skeet and Matthew Lillard are the killers. (gasps) What? Exactly, right? They're the killers. And to make it look like they were injured, hurt, whatever, they know based on watching scary movies, that a way to stab somebody so it looks like they were stabbed without hitting any major arteries is the left side mm-hmm. and clo- like literally close to the edge of your body to where you skip all major arteries, right. you know, organs, organs, everything, but it still looks legit. legit. 
And that's exactly what Betty does. And she's like, it was just a flesh wound, which... Amazing. Modern again, a, reference. a tattoo is a flesh wound. I mean, I wouldn't call a stab. <laughs> yeah, no. A stab he, is a little more it intricate. It sounded like it hurt. Yeah. I love when she was like, he needs to go to a hospital right now. Does Riverdale have a hospital or do they need to bust him over? Yes, remember soda? they're all dressed like they're the fit from the 50s. like In this season? Not this season, but I know they have a hospital. Do there you? was one. There was one. They don't have bus stops anymore. How, why would they have hospitals? I would hope that's the last thing that's funded. So after Glenn gets stabbed, <laughs> shockingly, he decides to relocate the Lonely Highway investigation to upstate New York. And I'm confused about this because how can they do that? Don't they need to be on site, surveying the areas, interviewing suspects? Like, how can they move the investigation? way north of where the actual victims are being found. I don't know, but it makes me think that Riverdale is more north or more New York than we think it is. Yeah. I mean, it has, again, to, be, it has to be commutable. Is like, uh, is, yeah. <laughs> has to be commutable to the city, so uh, we know that at least. So I, I just don't understand how they can move it because even even if we assume that Riverdale is further upstate than what we originally thought, why would the, you move an investigation? The investigation yeah. should be on the site where the bodies are being discovered, not in an office somewhere. Like, how are they ever going to effectively investigate? But Betty decides that you know she's going to stay on the case regardless, and apparently has her CDL license because she just starts driving a truck. <laughs> I can't. And we're supposed to just... Where did she get the truck? Where did that come from? She just stole one? Maybe. I mean, she she knows cars, so she could potentially hotwire one, but I don't think it's just easy to drive a semi-truck. It's not, but I guess... And you absolutely need a license to do it. You can't just have a regular driver's license and drive a truck. Riverdale has no police. That's fair. Yeah, nobody's going to pull her over. Okay, She's fine. good. So um, the important things that I wanted to note from this, because there were actually details that I wanted to pay attention to. So towards the beginning of the episode, Glenn says some of the bodies being recovered along the Lonely Highway date back to when Hal Cooper was alive and killing people. And his implication was that there were multiple serial killers or murderers who were using the Lonely Highway as a dumping ground for bodies and that Hal Cooper could have been one of them. Betty doesn't seem to buy this theory. Do you buy this theory? No, I think it's primarily him just being invested in the family and his paper. Could have been. I, I'm not inclined to believe it, mostly because it would be the less interesting theory. Right. I think it would be more compelling to have one serial killer doing all these bodies. But at, at the same time... I had those questions myself and, you know, last time or the time before I had singled out the fact that like the bodies that we're recovering are older and I don't understand why we haven't recovered more recent bodies. So, so I'm not really sure what the connection is there, but I thought that was worth noting. And then in addition to that, Hal said in an interview that he used to meet women on Ned's list, which is the same service that Polly was using to meet truckers. Again... I don't know what that means other than, you know, sketchy dudes like to meet women on Ned's list, but... Yeah, I think I think it's a diversion tactic, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he's just being a fucking sketch, and he's, again, he has this paper he's writing, so he's going to kind of divert Betty... He's trying to divert her thought process. 
here's what I'm realizing the more we talk about this. I think when I hear something being addressed in the show, I'm assuming that it has meaning and that it's put in there for a reason. Uh-huh. Whereas that's not true. No. <laughs> so um, maybe that's part of my problem because whenever they throw us little tidbits like this, I always log them like, oh, yes, this is a clue. But we receive a lot of information that turns into nothing. So maybe this, that's my, this episode in particular, my own too. damn fault. It was like even scene transitions were like, where, what? Like it was just very, it was thrown at us. Yeah. And very sloppy. It was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to focus and on. And I feel like nothing related to another. So that's why like yeah. the scenes didn't flow. It was like boom, boom, boom. And you're like, hold on. I was just getting... I'm just processing that. I was just catching up with this story. Now we're on this story. And I feel like something has to connect eventually, but it's not connecting soon enough. So whenever they do it, it's not going to be satisfying. It's going to feel like it was cobbled together at the last second, Mm -hmm. which is how they do most of their shit. Right. The fact that any of this writing is intentional really disturbs me because it's, it's so disparate and it doesn't make any sense and... From where we could have gone to where we are is just very disappointing. I had, like, speculated. I was like, oh, what if, like, Chad joined forces with Hiram? That would be fun. I thought maybe that even could happen, but now we're doing this with his, like, shady investments and blackmail, and I'm just bored with that. They're keeping the story separate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And honestly, the show is the strongest when they're able to bring everybody together Mm -hmm. and and unite them in one common cause, but sending them out to do their own nonsense is Why do we have a show Isolating. Yeah. And I feel that way when I watch the older episodes, too. The ones that have the core four together and then, you know, supplemented by the other cast, they're so much stronger than the episodes where they go off and do their own things. And it's just baffling to me that they haven't realized that that's what the magic is of the show and that they They can't capitalize on it. They might be trying to do that with getting, you know... Archie and Veronica back together, even though I hate it. They like, don't have to be a couple. They don't have to be exactly, be exactly. I I think it it's sloppy and it's lazy. So um, we are coming up on a major Riverdale drought. Very very large <laughs> drought. Massive drought. We're not talking a month. We're talking three. Yeah, and you know I love summer. So I don't want to rush summer, but I, <laughs> to wait till July for more Riverdale is kind of brutal. Especially the way they left us. Yeah. So many unanswered questions. So we will be back for Riverdale's continuation of season five. So tune in. We will cover all the episodes starting with that very first one on July 7th. But in the meantime, we're going to do something else. Yeah, we're going to have a little fun with it. We're going to try to uh, keep everybody entertained. In the meantime, make up for the drought. What we've decided to do is we've heard a lot of good slash horrible things about this movie on Netflix called Deadly Illusions. That I have watched and it's horrible. Dawn can attest that it is perfectly fitting the category of show slash I hate it. Let's watch it. That's exactly (laughs) what this movie is. Yes. So on April 20th, we will post an episode of our review of this movie 
So if you would like to tune in for that, we would love to have you. And then we'll probably come back May 4th with new eps. We're going to cover Emily in Paris. We did not watch this. But we have read. We, we, mixed, talked, yeah. we talked about it a lot and whether or not we should watch it. And then at that time, we were sort of toying with the idea of doing a podcast. And I think we both kind of said we should keep this in the back pocket yeah. for a podcast. So we're going to do it. We're going to yeah. put ourselves through it for you. And we're going to we're going to just tear it apart, I think. I think so too. I mean, it's it's got its reviews and it got a lot of buzz for why the hell was it nominated for Emmys? Mm-hmm. They were not happy about that. So, we're going to find out why. I think we're going to have opinions. So, I'm looking forward to that. So, that's our lineup coming up and we're just we're not going to let this Riverdale drought get us down. So, hopefully you'll tune in for our uh, 420 Blaze It podcast about <laughs> deadly illusions. <laughs> We may need to actually smoke to watch yeah, this movie, right, too. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, our email is I hate it, let's watch it at gmail.com. And until then, that's Endgame. Game.